the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 7 and 8, and also grab your sermon notes out of the bulletin. I want to speak to you about a revival that took place in the book of Nehemiah at one of the gates. And the gates, as you can see by the title of the message, was the gate called the Water Gate. So I want to talk to you about the revival that took place at the Water Gate. Before I get started, I want to show you a couple of verses just to remind you. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 says that He, God, is the one who changes both the times and the seasons. He's the one that sets up kings and deposes them. Job chapter 12 says in verse 23 that God makes nations great and God can also destroy nations. He enlarges nations and he disperses them. And when I look at those verses, I'm reminded that God is the one who is large and in charge. As much as we like to think that we're in control of everything, you need to know that God Almighty is the one who's in charge. Amen? You need to remember Psalm 33, verse 12, that says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I want you to turn to your neighbor and quote that verse. Just quote it. I'll leave it on the screen. Say, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, whoever you're sitting next to today. So today, as we go through our study so far, we've looked at the first six chapters of Nehemiah. And here's what we've seen. I'll write this down. This is big point number one there. That the physical walls, the physical walls are completed. This whole story has been about these walls that have been destroyed for 130 years The Jews are in exile. Uh, Nehemiah was serving as a cupbearer in the land of Babylon that was conquered by the Persians. And he's serving a heathen king by the name of Artaxerxes. And he gets a report that Jerusalem, 130 years later, is still lying in ruin. And he somehow, with God's blessing, gets the king's favor 
And Nehemiah returns about a thousand miles back to Jerusalem where he organizes all the people and they begin to rebuild those walls. And last week we looked at that those walls were completed in 52 days. I don't know if I could retile my bathroom in 52 days, but somehow they rebuilt those walls. And we looked at last week that it happened because of four things. One is the extraordinary leadership of Nehemiah. Secondly, the people all got together and came up on that wall and worked shoulder to shoulder. Number three, the, the people were persistent that in spite of the, the troublemakers, Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they, they would not quit. They did not give up. Even though they were threatened, they stayed on that wall and finished that task. And the fourth reason why those walls were completed was because God's hand of blessing was upon that entire project. So the first six chapters, we have these physical walls. The walls are rebuilt. The gates and the doors are all set in place. They had what's called the final inspection uh, in any project. And this great work is completed, all systems go. So in your notes, there's a little box. Chapter 6, write this down, is the completion of the walls. Chapter 7, which we're going to kind of, just kind of give you an overview of it. In chapter 7, it's a list of names of people, many of whom are leaders. They actually took a census in chapter 7. It's a list of all the Jewish exiles that were able to return to Jerusalem. At the very end of chapter 7, I believe in verse 66, it tells you how many people were actually there when these walls were completed. The number is 42,360. It also tells you that there were 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. I mean, they counted everything and everybody. And then the people began to give uh, of their resources to establish a military for their leaders, for the city, for the temple. But I want to show you this uh, kind of a summary here. We also see in verse 39 that there were priests, there were Levites, there were singers, there were gatekeepers, there were temple servants, and there were descendants of Solomon. Chapter 7 is a list of all the people who were there and a list of the people who belonged there. So in the middle of our study, which we've been in for a couple of months, chapter 6, write this down, is the completion of the walls. Chapter 7 is a company of the leaders. But chapter 8, we come to chapter 8, which is where the people made a commitment to the word of God. Chapter 7 is an important chapter. It identifies the people of God. It identifies the people who benefited from those walls. But chapter 8 is of even greater importance because, write this down, even though the physical walls were completed, what was needed most was the spiritual element. Worship was what was needed. In other words, having physical walls, doors and gates, is only a part of the restoration process. What was needed most, what was critical, was a restoration of the spiritual. 
I mean, after all, what good are walls? What good are these walls uh, if there's no worship here? What good are the doors if there's no discipleship? What good are gates if there's no one growing spiritually? You can have a spirit, you can have a physical foundation. Good for you. I'm happy for you. You got your walls, you got your gates. Good for you. But what is needed more than the physical is a spiritual foundation. And right now we're living in a day and age where we have all this political wrangling. You have two parties. They are the same in many ways, and they are different in many ways. But both parties go back and forth, and they have all these talking points that you've all heard a million times. You've reached conclusions, but neither party ever talks about what is needed most in this country, the United States of America, because what is needed most in the United States of America is the revival and the people of God turning their hearts back to an almighty God. That's what's needed most. So in chapter 8, we see what's most important to Nehemiah as a leader. We see what's most important to Israel as a people. And we're going to see what should be most important to the United States of America, what should be most important to you, and what should be most important to me. It's time, and I hope you're listening, to fix what initially caused that city to be destroyed in the first place. We're going to try to fix what caused the Jews to be carried off into captivity. It's now time to get the spiritual priorities in place in the city of Jerusalem. First things first. Everybody say first things first. So write this down. The first thing that happened here is they requested the Word of God. They requested the Word of God. I want you to take your Bibles, and we'll start reading there at the beginning of chapter 8. It says that when the seventh month came, and the Israelites had all settled in, the walls are complete, the priesthood has been elected, the city officials are in place, Order has been established. Everybody is settled in. The Bible says that all the people assembled as one man. That means they were united in the square right before the water gate. Remember when we started this, they had all those gates that they had to fix. The water gate was one of them. And I told you to remember that gate. So here's what took place at the water gate. They, everybody say they... They is not, that's not Nehemiah, that's not the priest, those weren't the city officials, they are the people. The people told Ezra, the scribe, bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. It's important for you to remember that Today is different than what it was like back then in the fact that they didn't have Bibles like we have Bibles today. How many of you have a Bible? You have one with you? Raise your hand. Just show me the Bible. We've done this every service. Raise your Bible. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. Back in the old days, they would, people would raise their, if they didn't have a Bible, they'd raise a hymn book, but I could tell the difference. But anyway, uh, we have Bibles and we have Bibles everywhere. I looked in my office before I came out, and I have on just a couple of shelves, I have like, I counted them, I have like 50 Bibles in my office. And they're all a little bit different, but I have them, and I use them for different reasons. 
How many of you, you just raised your hand, you told me you have a Bible. How many of you have more than one Bible? You have, you have more than a Bible. All right, so you have several Bibles. You see, back in Nehemiah's day, they didn't have printing presses. There were no Christian bookstores. They didn't have iPhones or tablets. But I tell you what they had. They had a hunger. The people said, bring us the book. We have many Bibles, but we don't have the hunger that they had for the Word of God. So the first thing that we see in Nehemiah's day, after the walls were completed, the very first thing that happens, the people request, bring out the book. Number two, write this down. Then they read the book. They asked for the book, and then they they read the book. Actually read it. I want you to look at verse two and three. So on the first day, everybody say the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest, he brought the law before the assembly which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand, just like today, we have an assembly here with both men and women. Now look at verse 3. The Bible says that he read it aloud from daybreak till when? Till noon. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. I want you to truly understand the magnitude and the detail of what you just read. Now, when the sun came up, it's probably 6 o'clock a.m., 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, for six hours from daybreak till 12 o'clock noon, one hour, two hour, three hour, four hour, five hour, for six hours, he read from the Word of God. If I'd stood up here today and I just started reading the Bible, I guarantee you, when I just, if I just stood up here and started reading, within about the 20-minute mark, many of you would get up and just walk out. you think, this guy's lost his mind. We easily spend more time on Facebook than we do in the Word of God. We spend more time on social media, on Instagram, than we do in the Word of God. You know, your iPhones will now tell you how much time you spend every day on your phone. And if you ever look at that little detail, it is shocking how much time we spend on our phones. I read a report this week that the average person touches, you just touch your phone, pick it up, hold it, carry it, whatever you do, about 2,000 times a day. And what's amazing is not just that people uh, don't really spend much time in the Word of God, There are a lot of churches in America today that no longer really teach from God's Word. The people said, bring us the book. They gathered as one assembly, and they read it for six hours. God's Word is an instruction manual. It's a lifesaver. It is a blueprint for your life. The Bible is God's love letter to you. They requested it. They read it. Number three, write this down. They were receptive to it. Because the Bible says that they listened attentively. The second part of verse 3 says, And all the people listened attentively. You see that word? They listened attentively to the book of the law. Now, many times when we're studying the Bible, we've got the television on in the background, or somebody's fixing breakfast. 
I know that for a fact that there are times where I'm up here preaching on a Sunday morning, it's probably already happened today, where while I am teaching God's Word, there's someone checking their football fantasy uh, statistics. That happens. People are checking the weather. They're making lunch reservations. They're looking at their social media. Next time you bring someone to church and your husband's over there looking at his football stats, you just say, hey, pastor said I could throw your phone in the baptistry. You tell him. You tell him I said that. But don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. They requested the word. They read the word. They were receptive to the word. Letter D, write this down. Watch this. They had reverence for the, for the book. They had reverence. One of the most important parts to this whole story is this these next two verses it says that Ezra the scribe he stood on a high wooden platform that was built for this occasion and beside him on his right was uh, Mattathiah and there's a whole list of guys names there and look at verse 5 it says that Ezra opened the book And all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Why did they stand when he opened this book? They stood because they believed that these were the very words of God. That's why they stood That text kind of reveals how much you and I take for granted the Word of God. How disrespectful we are with the Word of God. How little reverence we have for the Word of God. And don't forget, they stood for six hours. I wonder what would happen if we treated our Bibles just like we treat our cell phones. Like we wouldn't leave the house unless I had it. Be the first thing I check when I wake up in the morning. The last thing I look at before I go to bed. And if I wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, the first thing I grab to look at is the Bible. If I looked at every verse like I look at every text. Like I just can't go anywhere unless I have a Bible in my hand. I have, I, have, I will confess to you, I have stood... Uh, for four hours to watch a football game. I have stood for two and a half hours to watch many basketball games. I, I can get on my bike and ride for three hours, and it's, it's nothing to me. It goes, it goes by like that. Three hours on my bike. And I know guys play golf. It takes four hours you're on your feet while playing golf. And some of you kids, you play video games all night long. You can play video game all night long. And ladies, don't tell me you can't, some of you can't shop all day. (laughs) But we can't spend 10 minutes in the Word of God. The people of God there in Nehemiah's day, they requested it, they read it, they were receptive, they had reverence for it. And number five, write this down, they responded. They responded to it in many different ways. We've already seen two ways. They stood and they listened attentively. And if you look at verse 6, Nehemiah 8, 
it says that Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people, they lifted their hands and they responded, amen and amen. Raising of your hands is a sign of surrender. Raising your hands is a sign of thanksgiving. Raising your hands is a sign of saying to the Lord, Lord, I am yours. And the people, they raised their hands as the word was being read. They, they raised their hands and they shouted, amen and amen, which means I agree. I agree. It means so be it. It means that's truth. And I, I agree with what you're saying. It's truthful. Amen and amen. They couldn't help themselves. Adrian Rogers tells the story of a conference down in Orlando, Florida, and there was a guy preaching. He was so good, and they had this country bumpkin guy down about the second row, and right in the middle of the sermon, the guy stood up, and he just hollered, hot dog! <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess that's amen in the South, is hot dog. And, uh, but isn't it true that when the Word is being preached, and we're looking at it, there should be like at least some emotion as we're looking at the words of God. Can somebody say hot dog? Hot dog, amen. And the fourth thing that happened, watch this. They stood, they listened, they raised their hands, they said amen and amen. And number four, they worshiped the author of this book. It says at the end of verse six that they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Oh, I want you to notice the focus was not on Nehemiah. The focus was not on Ezra the scribe. Certainly the focus was not on Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. The focus was not on man. The focus was on God, as it should be. I know that every church is different. And shepherds, you know, we're, we're our own unique church. And we have multiple sites. And we have different worship teams. And Today we had like a special number in song, and we have youth weekends, and one weekend we prayed for the teachers, one weekend we prayed for the students, a couple of weeks ago we prayed for the police officers, and uh, we just, we just, sometimes you come, there might, you might watch the sermon on a video, but whenever you get out of your car and you walk into this building, you're not coming in here to be entertained. You shouldn't be coming in here to watch a show. You shouldn't be coming in here to listen to a pastor You're entering here to open up the Bible, to study the Bible, to listen to the Word of God, to revere the Lord, to worship the Lord, and to focus on God, not on man. That's why you should be here. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. 
We see and interact with lost people every day, and the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet, we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet. And he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.